Okay, so we are holding here Malachim Beis, Malachim Beis, Perik Tes, Chapter Nine of Malachim Beis, and uh, we're really in the middle of a story. Really, the, really the whole Malachim is a story, uh, the story of going through the um, history of the kings of Klal Yisrael. Um, but it, we're holding it a very uh, difficult time in the story, as we mentioned last week, where we were headed. Um, very quickly, just some backdrop. We're talking, generally the Jewish people have divided into two kingdoms. That's all the way back to the son of Shlomo HaMelech. And there's this kingdom of the ten tribes the king, versus the kingdom of the two tribes. Malchus Aseres Hashvatim. That's the ten tribes versus the two, which is primarily Yehuda and Binyamin. Um, Levi is in both places. And there's a scattering of tribes in both places. But in general, it's the ten versus the two. The two being in Yerushalayim and the true being the Malchus Beis David, the ones coming from David and Malachar from Yehuda. That's the two tribes. Um, the way we've experienced them so far is primarily the two tribes were, were positive. As far as the kings and as far as their basic behaviors, they had the Beis Amikdash. The ten tribes primarily were not, were primarily idolatrous um, in most stories, most situations. However, now we're at a point where both kingdoms have become idolatrous together. Um, and that's, that's really where, where our story is today. Um, we'll recall that the previous, the, the, perhaps the worst, the, 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 the king of the ten tribes, the worst name was Achav. Achav was, uh, Achav was the was terrible, uh, terrible king. Achav and his wife, Izevel, who was even worse than him. Um, and Achav and Izevel introduced a new level of idolatry to the Jewish people. It's important to remember, it's going to come up again tonight, that really the first king of the ten tribes had already introduced idolatry. That was Yeruvam ben Nevat. He's the one who had created those golden calves on the ways so that people should not go up to Yerushalayim. So it was the first king of the ten tribes who brought idolatry in a big way to the Jewish people. But it was Achav and his wife Izevel, who brought it on a whole new level. And they introduced the Baal to the Jewish people. And the Baal was, a, was an idol in their time, was very, very uh, widespread, the service of the Baal. And that was due to Achav and Izevel. Um, Achav, and, Achav has already, now Achav and Izevel, uh, Achav has already died. And the king now of the ten tribes is Yehoram, who's actually the second son of Achav to be king. And that's where our story tonight uh, the one, the king of the ten tribes is Yehoram, who as his father Achav is an evil man, a wicked man, idolatrous, and so on and so forth. That's on the ten tribes side. That's the king we're dealing with now is Yehoram. On the two tribes side, so we had recently some tzaddikim for kings. We had, uh, we had Yehoshaphat, who was a tzaddik. And he was a king for a long time. But Yehoshaphat died. And when Yehoshaphat died... The uh, king who became after him, his, his son was Yehoram. Again, Yehoram. You have two Yehorams on both sides of the, uh, uh, the scale, or both sides, what's it called, both sides of the line. You have Yehoram of the two tribes, and he is also idolatrous. And this is the first time when you have a king of the two tribes who's also idolatrous. And the reason for it is very simple. Because this king of the two tribes is a son-in-law of Achav. And that's how the two kingdoms come together. Achav, the evil king of the two of the ten tribes, one of his daughters, her name is Atalia, and this Atalia marries the son of Yehoshaphat, the king of the two tribes, and he now is the new king. His name is Yoram, and he becomes idolatrous. He didn't start off that way, but he becomes idolatrous. Um, it's not clear. Definitely, his wife, who's Achav's daughter, had a lot to do with that. 
but he becomes idolatrous. And in fact, in last chapter, we, we already learned about his lifetime and his death, and I missed out an important piece of information um, that it says that happened in the times of Yehoram, this king of the two tribes who became idolatrous. And it says one day he was in his palace, and a letter came through the window. A letter came through the window, landed on the floor. And he was shocked. It wasn't on the ground floor. And he didn't know where the letter came from. And he started reading the letter, and it was a letter written by Elio Hanavi. And what makes this uh, quite amazing and scary for him was that Elio Hanavi had already left this world seven years prior. We learned about the whole departing of Elio Hanavi when he let, went to heaven. And Elio Hanavi sends a letter, and basically it's a letter of warning. He says that you've become a king of the two tribes and has brought idolatry to your kingdom, and you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be destroyed. You'll die of sickness. It was a very, very, um, uh, very scary letter to Yoram, who went into some type of a depression after the letter. But this is actually the first time that we have the concept of Elio Hanavi making appearances in this world. We know in Jewish tradition, Throughout the history, Leonovi is the one who makes appearances and does what he has, what he's got to do, the various missions. But the first time that's mentioned is in the story of Yoram, uh, Yoram, the son of Yehoshaphat, the king of the two tribes. Now, the reason I missed that out last week, even though I was planning on saying it, was because it's not written in our Navi here. This story is written in the in the book called Divrei Hayamim. One of the books of the Nevi'im is called Chronicles, Divrei Hayamim, and that goes through a lot of the history of the times. So a lot of details of the stories that we're saying here don't actually say here. They, you know, you have to cross-reference in the book Divrei Hayamim. But there in Divrei Hayamim, it says this story about that letter that came to Yoram um, after, again, years after Eliyahu Navi's death, signed by Eliyahu Navi and written in his handwriting. He knew it was Eliyahu Navi, and ultimately Yoram did die a very, very... Um, uh, what's the word, not noble death. He was very, very ill and, and parts of him just falling falling apart. He died and he's buried. And that's really um, all in the last chapter, which was chapter 8. Um, after Yoram, the king of the two tribes, his son, Ahaziah, Ahaziahu, becomes the next king of the two tribes. Um, and Ahaziahu, whose father is Yoram and his mother is Atalia, daughter of Ahav, so he's, a, he's a grandson of Ahav, um, also grandson of Yehoshaphat, is now the king of the two tribes, and he, like his father, is idolatrous. And that's where our chapter opens up. So again, um, I know I said a lot of names here, and I know someone did mention last week we should try to put something up on the screen with the names, and that's a good idea. Um, I, I'm not holding by that just techn technologically yet. But um, to, to background information, be, that, be as it may, right now the kings of the, of the two factions of Israel is Ahaziah, is the king of the two tribes. Yoram, son of Ahav, is the king of the ten tribes. Their nephew and their nephew and uncle. Ahaziah is a grandson to Ahav, and Yoram is a son of Ahav. And they're the two kings of the Jewish people. Both are idolatrous. Both are from that house of Ahav. Now, one more important thing to remember of background history that's going to play itself out tonight and that is that Ahav and Izevel were cursed by Eliyahu Hanavi many years earlier. We know Ahav and Izevel wanted to put Eliyahu Hanavi to death. Ahav and Izevel were murderers, um, mass murderers, but the story of Tanakh tells us is that they killed Novos. Novos, when they wanted his, uh, his um, property, he didn't want to give his property, so Izevel said just make a, make a mock um, court case and have him killed, which is what they did. So they killed uh, Novos. 
So Eliyahu Novi had cursed Ahab and Izevel with the worst curses. He said they and their entire family and all their offspring, everyone is going to be wiped out. Um, and that hasn't happened yet, but tonight is where we're going to learn where all that, where all that is going to take place. And again, at this point, the, all, both kings of the Jewish people are descendants of Ahav and following in Ahav's path. And that's again Ahazio from the two tribes and Yoram from the ten tribes. One last thing, and that is that when Hashem gave that nevuah to Eliyahu Navi, He gave him three missions. And Hashem told Eliyahu Navi, first of all, that he should appoint Elisha as a prophet. And that Eliyahu Navi promptly did, and Elisha became Eliyahu Navi's primary disciple. Um, but Hashem also told Eliyahu Navi that you are going to anoint a new king for the ten tribes, and that's going to be Yehu. And that you are going to appoint a new king for, Ar- for Aram, which is not even Jewish people, and that's going to be Chazoel. Those things did not happen but are going to happen through Eliyahu Navi's disciple. Um, a Rebbe works not just through himself, but through his disciples. So whereas Hashem told Eliyahu Navi that he's going to do three things, and ultimately through that to avenge um, Hashem's Nekama of Achav, so they were the appointment of Elisha, the prophet, Chazael, the king of Aram, and Yehu, the king of the ten tribes, and that's what we're going to be learning about tonight. Now, I know um, one of you asked last week that it doesn't actually say that Elisha anointed Chazoel. It's just that he said that he was going to be the king. So I did look it up, and the Mepharshim point out that anointing doesn't necessarily mean literal anointing. Anointing is more of a general term as um, to give him his chashivas, tell him the importance that he was going to um, reach a new level of, uh, of, uh, high, of leadership. Um, so they talk about that there in that nevuah when Hashem told it to Navi, and they bring sources that to be, uh, like we say, for example, in the Hodu in the morning, we say, Altigu b'meshichai. Don't touch the anointed ones. And we mean children. They're not, they're not literally anointed. It's a sign of gedula. It's a sign of greatness, of specialness. And that's how they answered that question. So thank you for asking that question. Um, okay. Having said, that's all the background. Let's read it here. We're again in the beginning of Parakas, chapter 9. The Elisha Hanavi. Elisha Hanavi, he's obviously the Navi that, we've been, that we're holding during his lifetime. It says, Kara le'echad mibnei hanavim vayomerlo. He called one of the disciples of the Nevi'im and gave him a mission. And he says, he says, go and take, um, take oil, take a, j- a flask of oil. And I want you to go to Ramos Gilot. And there you're going to go to the officers in the armies of Yoram, the king of the ten tribes. And you'll find there Yehu, Yehu the son of Yoshaphat, the son of Nimshi. And you should go and bring him into a private room, take this flask of oil Put it on his head and tell him, Koyamar Hashem, so Hashem said, I have anointed you as a king over the Jewish people, and do that and leave. That's what Elisha tells one of the Bnei HaNavim, one of the disciples of the Nevim. It's interesting, in the Navi it doesn't say who this was. It just says Elisha sent one of the disciples of the Nevim, but Rashi says, and he brings it from the Gemara, that this was actually a prophet that we're going to find out about later, and that's Yonah. Right? We all know about uh, Yonah and the whale, the story that we read in the Aftarah and uh, Maftar Yonah, the end of Yom Kippur. Yonah, according to the Medrashim, was the child who Eliyahu revived from the dead. Um, not to confuse, there's two children revived from the death. There's one that Eliyahu did and one that Elisha did. So Elisha, as we already said, was Chavakuk. But the child that Eliyahu revived from the dead was also a Navi, and that's the prophet Yonah, who's going to play out in the story of Yonah much later. Um, 
he's a prophet for himself. But Rashi says here that when Elisha sent a disciple of the Nevi'im to anoint Yehu, that disciple was actually Yonah Hanavi. That's what Rashi points out. Okay, so that's what he says. That's what Elisha says. And, um, and that's what happens. So it says that this young man went and he goes to Ramos Gilad, which is the place, again, where the officers of Yoram were gathered. And he comes there and there was a number of officers gathered around and he says, I have something important to tell uh, the Tsar, the, the, the master or the minister that's here. So Yehu says to him, which, which Tsar, which, which officer are you looking for? And he says to you, Elecha Hasar. But I have something I have to tell you in private. And they go in together, so he goes in together in a private room, in Pasig Vav, and immediately um, the, the, the Nar, or as we know it's Yoyna, takes out the oil from his flask and he pours it over Yehu's head. And remember, Yehu at this point is just an officer. He's an officer in the armies of Yoram. Um, and he pours the oil on his head and he says, Koi um, Omar Hashem, in Pasuk Vav, Koi Omar Hashem Alekei Yisrael, so said Hashem, Mishachticha lemelech el am Hashem ve'el Yisrael. I have now anointed you as king over the nation of, the, of Hashem, which is the Jewish people. But you have a specific mission in being anointed. Vihikisa es beis achav adoinecha. The reason you're being anointed is because you're, it's your job. You are going to have to destroy the home of Achav, who is your master. Again, we're talking about the home of Achav. We're not talking about Achav himself. Achav is dead. We're talking about Achav's son, Yoram. Vinikamti and I, says Hashem, will avenge the blood of all of my Nevi'im, all of the, all the prophets, and all the Avdei Hashem, from the hands of Izevel. Remember, Achav and Ezebel had put to death all the Nevi'im in their time, aside from those that were hidden, um, hidden away in caves, as we learned in the past. And, the, and, he, and Yonah continues, and he says, the entire home of Achav will be destroyed. I will totally wipe out Achav and his family. And just like I did to the house of Yeruvah ben Nevat and Basha ben Achia, these are the various idolatrous kings of the ten tribes that we already learned, and were already destroyed. And Ezebel, Ezebel will be destroyed. Not only that, he says, Ezebel will be eaten by the dogs and, and will not even be able to be properly buried. This is Yonah's nevuah. He opens the door and he bolts. He leaves. That's what he was instructed to do by his rabbi, by Elisha. And that's what he does. So now he has anointed Yehu with the express mission that it's his job to fulfill Hashem's nekama in Achav and Ezebel and in all their descendants. Okay, and he leaves. Yonah leaves. Remember, Yehu was gathered here together with a number of officers. So he comes out of the private room where he was just anointed by Yonah Hanavi. So it says, Yehu Yatzel Avdi Adonav. Yehu goes out to the various, uh, you know, the, the army people and the servants of his masters. And they say, who was this Meshuga who just came to you? Now, why they call him a Meshuga? It's interesting. It seems they knew he was a Navi. And Navi, Nevi'im, were called like a Meshuga. And the reason for that, there's different explanations, but one of the basic ideas is when a Navi said Nevuah, many times he acted like a Meshuga. He lost himself. He lost himself. The words of Hashem would flow through him. And many times they acted in not normal ways. And it was, I don't know if it was a respectful way of calling them, but they looked like a Meshuga. So these other officers of, Ye, of, um, of Yoram, Turn to Yehu. What, what did he want from you? 
So he says, you know, he's just a Meshuggah. He just talked to me, you know, big deal. I don't know, whatever. He didn't answer. And they said, no, 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 you're not telling us the truth. What did he tell you? What did he tell you? And Yehu was, was put against the wall, and he said over exactly what Yonah said. This is what he said, and he, and he said the whole nevuah. He said he anointed me as king, and he gave me the express mission of destroying Achav and Achav's home, and our king, and Izevel. That's what he said. And here you have something interesting. All of the officers hear this nevuah, and they all immediately say, okay, we're behind you. Everyone took their garments and they put them all together. They blew shofar and they says Melach Yehu or Malach Yehu. Yehu has now become our king. So that's what happened. So what what happened again? The king, the king Yoram, and perhaps I, I think I missed out one point when I did the background of where we're holding. Yoram had just been in battle. Um, and Yoram was joined in battle by his cousin, the king of the, of the, ten, of the two tribes, Achazio, and they were just in battle, and Yoram was injured in that battle. So they were both in, uh, they were in a place called Yisrael. So they were there, you know, uh, what do you say, lick, licking their wounds from the, from the battle. And meanwhile, their officers, their army people, with Yehu, are in a different place. And Yehu now has been anointed as a king to rebel and to destroy the home of Achav. But his master, his king, doesn't know about this. Yoram doesn't know about this. So in Pasig Yudalit, the Pasig goes back to the battlefield and says that um, Yoram... Um, I'm sorry, it says that Yoham, Yoram was in battle with the king of Aram, and now he was wounded in battle, and he's trying to heal himself in Israel. And, and Yehu now, who has the backing of the, of the officers, the backing of the army, says, we are now going to go and fulfill our mission, and we are going to destroy the remnants of the house of Achav. So Yehu leads now the officers towards Ye, again, the place called Yisrael, where Yoram is, again, nursing his wounds from, from the battle. And they drive toward Yisrael, where Yoram is, and Ahaziah is, the two kings are there. And there is a watchman in this place, Yisrael, and he, and he sees that there's, there's like horses coming towards them, there's, there's officers, there's soldiers coming towards them. So he says, I see, you know, I see cavalry, I see horses coming toward us, so Yoram says, you know, send out, a, send out a rider and see what's going on. They send out a rider, and Yehu and his men capture the rider. They bring him in, they capture him. So the, uh, the, um, the, one, the watchman turns, turns to the king and says, the rider is gone. He says, send out another rider. Took out the second rider, Yehu and his men captured that rider as well. So Yehoram says, you know what, let's go. We'll, go. we'll go ourselves and see what's going on over here. And then the watchman says, and it, look, it actually looks like Yehu. It looks like Yehu is one of your officers that he's coming to visit. So they go out to greet him. Yoram, the king of the ten tribes, together with Achazio, the king of the two tribes, Achav's son and Achav's grandson, they go out towards Yehu. And when Yoram sees Yehu, Pasuch of Beis, he says, Hashalom Yehu, is, it, is there peace, you know, peace unto you? And Yehu says, what kind of a peace should I have for you and for your mother with all of the uh, immorality that she brought on to call Yisrael and all the witchcraft that she brought on to call Yisrael? And it's at that point that Yoram recognizes that his men turned against him. 
And he turns to Ahaziyahu, the king of the two tribes, and says, Run, they're, they're, they're coming to get us. It was, it was all trickery, it's treachery. And they turn around and start running, the two kings. Uh, they start running on their, on their chariots. They, they, they turn around and they start running. And it turns out, where are they exactly right now? They're in the property of Navos. The Bashkacha Pratis. They now the king, the the son and the grandson of Achav, are standing on the exact grounds where Achav killed Navos and took his properties from him, and that's where when Eliyahu Navi said he says that they're going to be destroyed, and at this point, Yehu takes a, um, a kesha says a uh, an arrow and he shoots an arrow and that arrow goes right through Yoram, and Yoram falls dead in his in his um, chariot. And Yehu turns to a person named Bidkar. Bidkar is a, is a uh, soldier, is, a, is a, um, a sergeant, a soldier of the king of Yoram. And Yehu says, Bidkar, we were together. We were together when we heard the Nevuah of Eliyahu Navi that Yoram, that, uh, that the house of Achel was going to fall because of the sin of Navos. And this is now the, the fulfillment of that prophecy. And take, the, take, now the king is dead, take Yoram and throw him out of the wagon and let him fall exactly in that place where his grandfather murdered, where they murdered Novos. And he says, he goes through the prophecy that, that Eliyahu and Novi said at the time, and he says, we are seeing the fulfillment of the prophecy of Eliyahu Eved Hashem. So that, so Yoram is, so Yoram is dead. The king of the, of, the, uh, of the ten tribes is dead. Now Achaziyahu, Pasuk of Zion, or Achaziyah, sometimes called Achaziyah, sometimes Achaziyah. Achaziyah, Melech Yehuda sees, and he runs. He's, he's on his chariot. And Yehu chases, makes chase after him as well. And again, and he's, and he's put to death as well. And um, Achaziyah is also killed. It doesn't say exactly how he's killed. But Achaziyah is killed by Yehu or by Yehu's men. And ultimately his, his men take him Achaziel's uh, men take him on the carriage and bring him to Yerushalayim where he is buried in the burial place of kings of David because he was from the house of David. So basically in one, in one moment everything has changed. The two kings of the Jewish people have been killed. It is the king of the ten tribes together with the king of the two tribes as we said Achav's grandson, Achav's son have been killed by Yehu and this is a 100% fulfillment of a prophecy to the, to the T that was prophesied by Eliyahu at least 10 years earlier of the downfall of Achav and the entire house of Achav. Although the entire house of Achav didn't fall yet, we're still we're going to get there. But the kings, both kings have now gone, are gone, and the and the only live king now is Yehu, who was just anointed by Elisha through Yonah Hanavi. Okay, which brings us to Pasuk Haftas. He says now they had for they had for Izevel. Because Izevel is still alive. Achav is dead, but Izevel is still alive. And they come, uh, and now we have Yehu who's leading the troops, and they come to the place where Izevel is. And Izevel hears, she hears everything that happened. But Izevel, who's of course the, the, the model of wickedness, hears what happened and she says she's going to give it a, a, she realizes her life was in mortal danger because they're going after the entire house of Achav now. And she, Achav and Izevel. She sees that they're coming, so she tries. What's she going to try? She's going to try to seduce them, to seduce Yehu. And the Pasuk says she makes herself all pretty and puts on makeup and whatever, and she goes to the window to greet Yehu when he's coming. 
and she says, Hashalom, is it peace unto you? She comes out to greet Yehu. She didn't come out. She's, she's in her home by her window, but she's able to see Yehu. Yehu sees her, and she starts, you know, talking to Yehu. But Yehu doesn't uh, fall for anything, and he sends his soldiers into the house, and soldiers come surround us, they go into the house, and he says, push her. And they pushed her out of the window. And she falls out of the window, falls from the top, and she, she's killed. She's killed on the spot. It says that her blood is splatters on the, on, the, on the ground and on the, on the walls outside. And Yehu goes in with the people into the, into the palace or the house of the king or the queen and says they eat something, they drink something. And then Yehu says, you know what? After all, she was a queen. She should be buried. He says, go out, go, go out and find the body to bury it. And they went out and they couldn't find anybody. They only found, it says, the Pasuk says, that they found, um, it says only, only uh, or the skull and the feet and her hands. And what happened? Remember, Eliyahu and Avi said that she would be eaten by the dogs, Ezevel, this, this ultimate Russia of Klal Yisrael. And that's exactly what happened. Again, in, in this Parsha, with this, you know, if this is a very terrible prokim with so much death and so much killing, but every word of the nevuas of Eliyahu and Avi are being carried out over here to the detail to these terrible Rishayim who killed and murdered and plundered and did everything to Klal Yisrael and brought idolatry to Klal Yisrael. This is the downfall of Achav and all everything surrounding Achav as, is playing out in, these, in this Perik. Um, so they came, so Yehu was in the house, they came back and they said, this is what happened. They said, we, can't, we, we couldn't even find a body to bury. And he says, yes, this is everything that Hashem spoke to his servant, Eliyahu Atishbi. And he said that in the Chelek, in the, he even said the place. Again, this is years and years earlier, Eliyahu said that in the Chelek of Yisrael over there, the dogs will eat the flesh of Yisrael. And that's exactly what happened as the Pasuk finishes, and, and that's the end of Perak Tess. So in this parak is really where the, yeah, the, again, the fruition of all those nevuas against the house of Achav and Izevel. Um, Achav is the only one who's not part of the story because he died earlier. But Izevel is killed in this week's, in this, in this parak. Uh, Yoram, the king of the ten tribes, is killed in this parak. Achazio, the king of the two tribes, is killed in this parak. All from this home of Achav. And all by Yehu, who was the one that Hashem told Eliyahu Hanavi would be the one that would put them all to death. But we're not finished. We're not finished at all because we still have, the, the Achav has so many descendants and so many children, and that's the next parak. And the next parak is a continuation of the purification of Klal Yisrael of the house of Achav. So as the Pasuk says in the beginning of chapter, in the beginning of Perik Yud, Ula Achav Shivim Bonim, that Achav had 70 sons um, that were all like princes. And Achav's, uh, you know, Achav was, uh, married relations with, uh, with uh, a number of women, and he had many sons. Here he says he has 70 sons. And Yehu sends for him, he sends our books to Shomra, to the um, ministers of Yisrael, and he says, you're the ones who have all of Achav's sons over there. He says, when, the, when my writing comes to you, choose which one of Achav's sons should be your new king, and appoint him as your king. Now, Yehu, this was like a rhetorical type of statement. He was basically saying um, that I'm here to destroy Achav. If you think you're going to fight us, make yourself a new king from Achav's children. And that's the letter that Yehu sends the Sari Yisrael, the, uh, the, um, the ministers of that city where they were. But the people were deathly afraid. In fact, it says, they were very, everyone was very afraid. Everyone heard about Yehu's tremendous Hatzlacha. And the fact that Yehu was appointed as a king by Yehu Hanavi, 
um, in the name of Elisha Anovi. And they said, no. They said, the two kings of Klal Yisrael couldn't stand against you. We're going to stand against you. Of course we're not. And they said, you don't even have to come here. We are going to put to death all the sons of Achav. And that's what they did. They put to death all the sons of Achav, and they sent the bodies, or the heads, um, to show that all the sons of Achav, of Achav were killed by these, by these people, by these uh, ministers. Um, and that's what happened. That's what happened. They were put to death, and that's what the Pasuk describes in Pasuk Vav and Pasuk Zion. And the, um, the uh, messengers came, and they told this to Yehu, that the sons of Achav were all killed, and they were beheaded, and that's something that we've had before in the past. That was something that was done then. Um, and that was that. And uh, Yehu again says in Pasuk Yud, we see again and again, Yehu says, the Ueifel, let's see and, and, and acknowledge, Ki lo yipel midvar Hashem artsa, that anything that Hashem told the Nabi is going to happen, nothing will fall down, nothing will fall to the ground. Asher dibar Hashem al beis Achav, whatever Hashem spoke about the house of Achav, um, and Hashem did what he told, what he said he would do through his servant Eliyahu. And, and, Yehu, and Yehu continued in really wiping out anything, anyone that was left over from the descendants of Achav, um, all the great, and the Koyanim, the Koyanim means those, the priests for Avedizara. But there were still so many more, there were still so many more of the Avedizara. So as the Pasuk goes on, he says, he came to Shomron. And there he found the brothers of Ahaziyahu. Ahaziyahu was the king of the two tribes, who was also an anical of Achav. And he says, well, you know, what, what are you doing here? And he says, we came to see how our brother is doing and how the great woman, Izebel, is doing. And they were put to death. The Pasuk says in Tesvav, Yehu met another great tzaddik at the time. His name was Yehonadav ben Rechov. Here the Torah, here the Navi doesn't talk to us about him too much, but he's going to play an important role ultimately. Um, he has children, Sadiqim, and he joins Yehu. Um, he joins Yehu in, in his uh, in his avoid of being metahir, of purifying Eretz Yisrael at the time from Avidazar and from the descendants of Achav. And they they go together. Um, Yehu tells Yehonadav, he says in Pasik Tazayin, come with me and you'll see the vengeance of Hashem. And the fulfillment of Hashem's nevuas, and they came to Shomron, and there, there was still there was other remainders, remainders of Achav's children, and they were they were destroyed. Everything bidvar Hashem, and the, according to the words of Hashem that Hashem had said to Eliyahu Navi. Okay, that was all the actual descendants of Achav. At this point, um, Yehu had bas- primarily, basically, fulfilled his mission that he was prophesied to do was the destruction of Achav's, Achav's descendants, Izevel, and the descendants of Achav. But still, there's a lot of those who served Avedizara, who served Baal. And Yehu was on, a, was on a rampage. He was on a mission over here, a mission of vengeance against Avedizara and the Baal that Achav and Izevel had introduced into Kal Yisrael. So here we learn about the last great feat that he did in purifying Klal Yisrael from all these David Azara. And I'm going to remind you, back to the initial nevuah of Eliyahu Navi that Hashem told him, Hashem said that there's only going to be 7,000 Jewish people remaining. Remember he said, Hashem said only the 7,000 knees that didn't bow to Baal. Otherwise, Hashem says everyone is going to be destroyed through these stories of Yehu and Chazoyel, as we shall see. So now comes the final, I think, great story, great deed that Yehu did in the fulfillment of those prophecies. So, and this is the last part of the chapter in Pasuk Yud Ches. It says, Vayikbos Yehu, as Kol Yehu gathers the entire nation, 
and he tells them, and here he puts on, he puts on, he, he plays a trick. And he says, Achav served the Baal a little. Yehu was going to serve the Baal much more. So in other words, now Yehu is turning uh, color, so to speak. And this is a ruse. He's trying to gather all the Nevi Habal, all those that truly believe in the Baal. And he lets out these, um, these information, or fake news we would call it, that, that, um, that he's decided that he wants to serve the Baal. And he wants to serve the Baal even more than Achav served the Baal in his lifetime. And therefore he says in Pasuk Yitas, he sends out a big invitation. He says, Kol Nevi Habal. He says, all those who are Nevi'im for the Baal. Kol Evdav, Kol Kehanav, all the, the prophets to the Baal, the servers, those who serve the Baal, the priests for the Baal. And let everyone come to me. I want to make a big festival for serving the Baal. Ish al yipakid. No one should. Uh, no one should miss out. This is going to be the Baal festival of the century. He says, "I want everyone to come." Kizevach godel li labal. I want to make a great zevach, a great uh, carbon, a great uh, sacrifice um, for the Baal. And whoever will not come, I'll put to death. Whoever is you know, true to the Baal must come. And the pasuk says that Yehu was doing all of this. Um, it, it, with, with trickery unless he didn't want to serve the Baal as we're going to see to the contrary but he was trying to do something where he can gather all of the servants of the Baal in one place and he did it because he wanted to destroy them because this was Yehu's mission and Yehu says he says he created a Yom Tev and he says everyone should prepare themselves and everyone should come there and he sent messengers into the entire land of Israel all of the Oivdei Habal, all of the servants of the Baal, everywhere came. There was no one left that didn't come. They all came to this great house of the Baal and they filled it from, from corner to corner, from side to side. And Yehu said he had, he, special, he had special garments. And he said, I had special garments made for all those who are going to be Oivdei Habal. And he gives it, brings them out their garments. And he and Yehonadav ben Rechav, who was again, who was another tzaddik who had joined him. I'm sorry, someone asking a question. I'm sorry, am I missing some messages here? We're good. Okay, so uh, so he says, so he um, he gathers all the people, and Yehonadav ben Rechav, who's the tzaddik who had joined him, come, and they say they tell all the servants of the Baal search. Search amongst yourselves. Maybe there's someone who doesn't truly believe the Baal. Maybe there's, maybe there's not true believers. This festival is only for, for real emes aminim, real true believers in the Baal. And they searched and said, no, 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 whoever's here is a real believer. Whoever's here is, is really an Eved HaBaal. And they came together and they bring Karbonais. And Yehu, and now is where Yehu pulls his thing. He has his guard standing outside. He has, it says, 80 men, soldiers. And he says, everyone in this building has to be put to death. This building that he had gathered everyone, he said, only Oivdi Habal are welcome, and all the Oivdi Habal are welcome. He says, whoever is here has to be put to death. And that is what happens. He says, they brought their oil, they brought the carbon, and then Yehu tells his servants that they should, um, that they should kill out everyone who's there. And that is what they did, and everyone there was put to death, and the Baal was taken out, and the Baal was destroyed, was burnt up. And the Matsevis, Matsevis means the types of, the altars that they made for the Baal were all destroyed. And in Pasuk Chavches, a very important Pasuk, Vayashmed Yehu es Habal mi Yisrael. Yehu was able to totally destroy Baal from amongst the Jewish people. So for many, many years, this Baal had become an Avidah 
that became dominant in the Jewish people. And it was Yehu who uh, totally eradicated the servers of the Baal, the servants of the Baal, and the Baal itself, and the Avedizaras, and everything. And that was Yehu. And Yehu seemed to be a, a tremendous person, even though later we'll see he wasn't perfect. But but in this way, Yehu definitely served and fulfilled the mission and the nevuas of Eliyahu Hanavi and Elisha Hanavi and Yoyna Hanavi and did his mission, Bishlemos. He did his mission. It was a dreadful mission to have to do. But he is the one who was there to bring the Nukam of Hashem for this, uh, this, this worst of our kings and uh, Achav and Izevel and their families, their children, their Eniklach, who did such horrendous things to Klal Yisrael, both spiritually as well as physically. Right? You have to remember the wickedness of Achav and Izevel is not only spiritually speaking, it's also physically. They were, they were mass murderers. And they murdered anything that had any connection to Yiddishkeit and any Navi. And here is where Hashem had his Nekama from them in totality. Yet the Pasuk says, and that brings us towards the end, we're in Pasuk Haftas, Pasuk 29. It says um, that there's one thing that Yehu didn't do. He destroyed Achav and Izevel, and he destroyed the Baal. But I mentioned to you earlier, the Baal is not the only Avodah amongst the Jewish people. Because you have the Avodah that Yeruvam ben Nevat, the first of the king of the ten tribes, had erected on the streets, not allowing the people to go to Yerushalayim. And that Yehu did not remove. It's not clear why. Um, I mean, it is, it's obvious that Yehu's primary concern was Achav and Izevel and their families um, and their Avodah which was the Baal. The Baal is the Avodah that Izevel brings to the Jewish people. Um, but you would think, once you're destroying Avodah you take care of all Avodah and let everyone become Maminim. But for reasons that it doesn't say here why, Yehu didn't do that. And that's what, what ultimately... What did he destroy? I'm sorry? I'm sorry, what did Yehu not destroy? The Avodah that Yeruvam ben Nevat, the first king of the ten tribes, had erected on the roads leading up to Yerushalayim. Remember, that was when, when the split happened and Yeruvam didn't want the people from the ten tribes going to Yerushalayim at all. So he erected two Egel Hazavs, two golden calves. And they were actually magical golden calves. They had powers of Kishof there and they would, they would talk and whatever. And th- that was a general of the of the ten tribes as a whole. Before the Baal, way before Achav, way before Izeva. So though Yehu purified Klai Yisrael from Achav and Izevel and their families and their Avodazar, which was the Baal, he didn't go the final step, the ultimate step of removing those initial Avodazaras of the ten tribes. And that is what it says here in Pasuk Choftes, that Rak, only Chato Yeruvam ben the sins of Yeruvam ben that he brought the Jewish people to sin, Loisar Yehu Me'achareyem, that Yehu did not go away from. Um, and those were the Egli Hazav that were in base Elam, that were in Dun, that didn't allow the ten tribes to go to the two tribes. That wasn't taken away till later. We'll, we'll see when that's, that's also going to be taken away at some point, later in time. But those were like the, um, the staple of the ten tribes. When the ten tribes became the ten tribes, it was that we're not part of Yerushalayim, we're not part of the Besamekdash, we're our own entity. And those Egel Azovs were the, like almost the demarcation, like the, the, the point of departure. This is the ten tribes, this is the two tribes. And that, Yehu did not remove that. And that was held against Yehu in the, in the, in the, in the, in the picture of the Nevi'im, though Yehu was very much uh, lauded and congratulated for doing his missions against Achav and Achav's home and the base and the Baal. So was he considered in history a good king? 
Um, it's he, I've seen different things. It's clear that in the beginning he was. Right. What, when he's doing all of this, he's he's doing the shlichas of Hashem very clearly, and right. he, and it's clear that he is. Um, ultimately, though, because he didn't remove that, so he sort of did good stuff, but fell down on certain deeper bad stuff that were just sort of. So good king with an asterisk. Entre- <laughs> right, entrenched. Right, right. It's Let me just ask one more question of clarification. So when they didn't want the Jews to go up to Yerushalayim, they set up little altars for them to worship outside of the base of Magdash. So you're saying they were golden calves. Wasn't was this the lead up to having everybody have their own little base, their own little temples, their own little altars? That, you know. Or is this different? This was really uh, idol worship. Because they say that in archaeology they're finding all these almost these altars that people would have their own. They couldn't get to Yerushalayim or they were prohibited from getting to Yerushalaym, so it was okay to right. sacrifice in the wrong location. But, but it wasn't. The, the halacha is very clear. You, there, there was time when Bamos were permitted when there was no Beis Hamikdash. Oh, okay. But once there was a Beis Hamikdash, Allah is clear you can't bring a sacrifice anywhere else. So a Bama during the time of the Beis Hamikdash is prohibited. It doesn't necessarily mean it's Avodah Zarah. Something that's prohibited doesn't mean it's Avodah Zarah. If a person um, erects a little altar in their backyard and brings the offering to Hashem, it's not called Avodah Zarah, but it's prohibited. Okay, but these particular Bamos altars were not just they were they were golden yes 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 again but again but like everything works with progression when he made them he just says we have another place to bring our carbonos but it progressed to becoming golden calves and have a dessert okay now it's what an amazing concept is didn't every king we had have something they missed Didn't every well? I mean, I guess you can argue that no person is perfect, um, but nevertheless, the question is, you know, a person can make a person can make a mistake, but then do tshuva. You now, David Amalek also there's has things that David Amalek critiqued, but nevertheless, he's looked at as a tzaddik without a question. Shlomo Amalek also had things that he's critiqued, but he's looked at as a tzaddik. The question is, in the bigger picture, do we look at it as a tzaddik who made a mistake, or someone who's just you know, not good. It was uh, idolatrous and maybe did some good things. You know, the question is how. What's the perspective of Torah on that person in general? That's what I was kind of trying to understand because Pesilea mentioned had a question: Do we consider Yehud um, a good king or not? And your answer was: Well, he did miss. He did miss the piece that he didn't destroy the uh, the uh, idolatry of Yeravam, right? Is that right. what you said? Yes. So, but I, I want to say I want to say it's more than missing a piece. In other words, at the it, it not destroying the idolatry of Yeravam means he allowed idolatry in the land. You know, he took full vengeance against Achav and family and the Baal, but after doing that, fell back on some basic, very deeply rooted idolatry. Um, amongst the ten tribes, and and he's held accountable for that. He's lauded for doing missions and doing it for the sake of Hashem, but falling. And we'll we'll read the pasuk in a moment. The pasuk is going to say that he he at the end of the day he didn't really 
turn away from idolatry in totality. And in that way, he's totally different than a king of the tzaddik, whether it's David or, or Yeshafat or Asa or Shlomo. These were tzaddikim that made mistakes, but he's a king that, at the end of the day, he didn't remove idolatry from his people, and therefore he himself is considered part of that. And he's not looked at as Achav. You know, it's hard to say. Everyone has their own thing. You know, Achav is the ultimate of evil. Achav, Yerav, and Ben Nevat, um, Yehu was not seen that way. But he didn't take the, you know, the, didn't have the courage to take the, the real step of, of removing it. All the well, way. it wasn't part of the mission that Yonah That's true. Him. That's true. His he mission he did. did. His mission he did. And he's right. lauded for that. No question. No question. But then, okay, so now that you know, he did his mission, but now the question is, as a king, what did, you know, for his people, he didn't remove that with his heart. I just want to, I want to point out an interesting thing that people don't recognize. You have 10 tribes of Jewish people, which is the vast majority of the Jewish people, who never go to Yerushalayim. There's a Beis HaMikdash in Israel. Right? This is all during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash. What's even more interesting is, there's an interesting question, did Eliyahu Navi ever go to the Beis HaMikdash? You know, the great Eliyahu Navi, who's the, big, the ultimate Navi of all time, but he was in the area of the 10 tribes. That's where he was, that's where he operated, that's where he lived. That's where his missions from Hashem were. So, now, it does, it's brought down, we, there's no clear answers to these questions. It's brought down that you weren't allowed to go to Yerushalayim, that doesn't mean someone couldn't sneak through and go. Right? You know, there, there's, there's roadblocks and there's soldiers, but there were, you know, it says there were Bali, Messias, and Ephesus, that they would go through and they, they would be caught or not be caught and, and make it to Yerushalayim. You know, so I've seen written in Svarim a question, was, did Eliyahu and Navi ever see the Beis HaMikdash? Question. His whole life as Navi was during the time of the Beis HaMikdash, and the same is with Elisha. So these were tzaddikim of Hashem, ultimate tzaddikim, who were serving missions for Klal Yisrael, but they were stuck in the ten tribes. That's where they were. And, and those ten tribes were really cut off, at least legally, legally from the uh, perspective of the kings of the ten tribes and the soldiers, uh, they were cut off from, from the Beis Amikdash. So it's just, a, it's just an interesting point of history. Very interesting to, to note and think about these things that we don't normally pick up on necessarily. Okay, Pasuk Lamed. Pasuk Lamed, Perik Yud, chapter 10, Pasuk Lamed. Vayomer Hashem el-Yehu. Hashem tells Yehu. How does Hashem tell Yehu? Yehu is not a prophet. So Rashi says, I think Rashi, yes, Rashi says, through Yonah. Right? Yonah's, uh, Yonah's the operating prophet here. There's Elisha. Elisha is the prophet of the time, but it seems that Yonah is, uh, works for Elisha. He's, uh, he's a, an assistant prophet. So, so uh, Hashem tells Yehu, or Yonah tells uh, through Ye, through uh, Yonah, that is, Yanashar Tivosa Lasos Ayosher Be'enai. See very clearly, Hashem says, because you did what was just in my eyes, everything that I wanted, you did to the home of Achav. Because of that, I am going to grant you that you're going to have four generations of kings that will come from you, Al Kisei Yisrael, on the throne of the Jewish people. So clearly, clearly, we're, we're talking, we're just discussing. You know, is Yehu good? Is Yehu bad? Clearly, there's. There's clearly um, good feeling towards him. And Hashem says, you did your mission. And you're being rewarded for doing your mission. Yet, the next Pasuk, He did not guard to go in the way of Hashem with his entire heart. Because he didn't fully remove himself from the sins of Yeravam, who brought this general sinfulness on the Jewish people. Right? I'll uh, remind you, in, in Pirkei Avos, it says, who is the ultimate example 
of someone who is chata or machti as harabim, someone who sinned, but much more than sinned, has brought sinfulness to the rabbim, that's Yeravam ben Nevat, because Yeravam is the one who really sort of coined idolatry for the ten tribes. And this, it, that, was the, that was the fallback position. Right? You get rid of Achav and you fall back to what Yeravam brought to the Jewish people. Um, and therefore the Pasik says that ultimately and the, this, this um, Hashem started punishing the Jewish people. And who is the one now from outside of the Jewish people that's Hashem's agent for punishment? That's Chazael. Chazael, the king of Aram. You'll recall last week we learned that when Elisha told Chazael, he says, your father is going to die and you'll be the new king, Elisha bursts out crying. And Chazal said, why are you crying? He says, because I see what you're going to do to the Jewish people. And Chazael, who is the king of Aram, starts uh, battling the Jewish people on all different types of fronts. And throughout the Jewish people, throughout those uh, the ten tribes, it becomes a time of, uh, just a very terrible time of destruction through this king, Chazahil. Uh, Pasuk finishes, as it finishes by most kings of this period of time, that the rest of the stories of Yehu are written in the, in the histories of the time. Ultimately, Yehu passes away, and he's buried in the Shomron. And his son, Yehoachaz, becomes king after him. And the, the parak finishes by saying that Yehu was king for 28 years. So he had a pretty long uh, reign in Eretz Yisrael at that time. So this is um, the two parakim we learned tonight is really, again, parakim full of killing and death, but really f- fulfillments of prophecies that we knew were coming already years and years in advance, Eliyahu and Elisha, and the destruction of Achav and his entire home, and the, the Baal is uh, b- the basic idea that we learned in these two prakim. Um, and I think we'll finish here and continue Bezer Sashem next week, Perik Yud Aleph. So you said that um, Hashem did like sort of reward him by saying that four of his generations will continue to rule. Yes. So he was sort of, you know, got his little reward for doing his mission. He was rewarded, yes. But in the end, because he didn't get rid of those uh, bamos, whatever, the king of uh, uh, Hazael, king of Aram, killed the Jews. Yeah, I mean, not in one time, but there was a lot of killing going on. There was a lot of difficulty going on. And that wasn't necessarily against Yehu per se. It was against the Jewish people. And the, the Jewish people kept so on idolatrous. the Jewish people were still uh, um, uh, idolatrous? The, idol, the idols of, Yeho, of Yeravim, right? Those, those idols, those basic idols that are in Don and Beis Sheva on the roads leading up to Yerushalayim were never removed. They were oh, never removed. Oh, okay. They were never removed until the end of the Ten Tribes, as we'll see. You know, we're going to get to it. The Ten Tribes are going to be exiled. It's only at that time that those initial idols that were erected by Yeravim are going to be removed. Rabbi Silverberg, um, I could be I had missed something at the beginning of the class, but was he who is like a new family now, he's not like uh, descended from Ahab, did he have a special schuss to become king? Was like he's did he come from someone special or? That's a good question. That's I was a very about that's, that. a, that's a very good question. Yeah. I, do, I don't know the answer. And, and, and I was wondering if he's from uh, the the line of David. No, Amen. no, he's the ten tribes. Uh-huh. He's not. David yeah. is the two tribes. The ten tribes are uh-huh. never going to be from the line of David. Um, so he's not the line of David. Um, and your question is a good one. It says. It says, Yehu ben Yoshafa ben Nimshi, so this clearly tells us about a certain Yichus, 
but I did not see um, of something special written about that yichus. Uh, not seeing doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that I didn't see, and therefore I don't know. But it's, it's I, I'm going to assume that someone who's chosen to be a shliach to, uh, for, um, for Hashem for something so sensitive, there's got to be a reason why they were. Um, and again, if I if I'll, I'll give a look, if I find something, I'll be happy to share that next time we were Hashem. Um, let me just ask you a quick question. 